On this episode of the Massive Agent Podcast, you're going to hear how one agent sold over $2 billion in real estate in less than 10 years. It's taken Dan Lesniak, the founder of Hyperfast Agent, about nine years to sell almost $3 billion worth of homes. And his first year, his very first year, he sold over $22 million without a coach, without a mentor. He just figured it out doing something very specific, which you'll hear about now. The Massive Agent Podcast. We lead generation tips and strategies to get you more leads and sell more homes. I love to buy houses. I like to sell houses. It takes brass balls to sell real estate. Wait a minute. The leads are weak. You're weak. I've had better. Better. Oh, have I got your attention now? Here's your host, Dustin Brome. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Massive Agent Podcast, episode 112. This is one hell of an interview today with Dan Lesniak. If you've seen Hyperfast Agent anywhere, he has, he's a coach. He has a coaching program, the Hyperfast Agent podcast, and he's everywhere. He's built a big team, and which you kind of need to sell almost $3 billion worth of real estate in less than a decade. And he's going to tell us how he did it. He's going to tell us what he focused on within the first three months to start closing deals. And here's what's crazy. Like I said in the intro, Dan, Dan in the, his, first, uh, his first year had $22 million of production. That's nuts. If you have two or three million in production your first year when you're green and don't have a coach or anyone to guide you, you're doing well. 22 million. And so he's going to share with us how, exactly how he did it, what he focused on, where he focused on it. And I think you'll see it's genius. You'll, you'll hear why it's genius and how it's so duplicatable. And really all he's done to go from 22 million the first year to multiple billions with a B. Multiple billions in production is basically the same thing, just scaling the shit out of it. So I'm super excited for this episode. Welcome to the Massive Agent Podcast. If you are new to this show, my name is Dustin Brome, your host. I'm an agent myself. I have been for nine years or so in the Salt Lake City area. I'm an agent with EXP. This show is a a proud founding member of the Industry Syndicate in Industry Syndicate Production. We are the first and only real estate podcast network for the real estate industry, go to the app store, go to Google play. If you don't have the industry syndicate app yet, please grab it. I have an announcement to make about the syndicate here in just a sec. But if you have, if you stumbled across the show, have no clue who I am. I'm a, I'm an agent who learned some tactics and became very good at marketing to sell more homes. And it changed my business. I now am closing about 80% of my deals. Um, and for the last few years, even 80% of my deals have come from my content and from online marketing somehow, some way, which is everything we teach you and everything I talk about on the show. I'm also a national speaker, trainer, and real estate marketing coach. I write a weekly column every Friday afternoon for Housing Wire. Super proud about that. You can read those over at housingwire.com. And I'm the founder of the One Agent Per Market lead gen training program for agents. It's called the Massive Agent Society. And that's it, One Agent Per Market. The reason we only have one agent per market is we don't want 20 different agents in the same market running the same Facebook ads, doing the same things. And we want it to be a safe space, so to speak, not in the millennial snowflake context, but just we want you to be able to to speak openly and not worry about a a potential competitor hearing your strategy or, you know, undercutting you somehow, some way. 
Honestly, if you've listened to the show for a while, I don't really believe in that anyways. Like I believe in being smart and not giving every little detail that you do, but there's so much business to go around. But I know a lot of people still are concerned about that. So we just, we just, you know, one agent per market. That's it. Once you claim your market, once it's sold out, it's unavailable to anyone else. So go to massiveagentsociety.com to see if your market is available. So before we get into the interview with Dan Lesniak from Hyperfast Agent, yesterday, no, let's see. So today is, this comes out on Thursday, the Thursday, the 13th. So on Tuesday, the 11th, a couple days ago, we launched as the industry syndicate, our very first industry syndicate original podcast. It's called Behind the Breakthrough, hosted by Megan Anderson. If you if you have any exposure to the mortgage side of the industry, you've heard of MBS Highway. Megan is a vice president over at MBS Highway, and she does a lot of speaking and training on social media and video. And she's she's the host of the show, and it's it's a really cool deep dive into the the stories of the leaders of our industry. It's it's really hearing the stories of our industry's leaders like Barry Habib, Phil Treadwell, Cindy Ertman, Shashank Shakur, and others. In hearing what kind of struggles they they had to overcome, what kind of roadblocks they had to overcome, um, who were they before they were leaders, before the industry knew who they were, before they had an audience, before they had a following, what did they have to do to build a business? And and so it's behind the breakthrough. Kind of gives you a good idea of what it's about. I highly encourage you guys to go check out this show, listen to the first first couple episodes. Uh, We have three episodes out now. There will be a new one every single Tuesday. If you have the Industry Syndicate Syndicate app, it's in there. You can also go to Apple. You can go to Spotify, Overcast, wherever else, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and type in Behind the Breakthrough. Look for the black and white uh, album cover and give it a listen. If you would, please please subscribe to the show. I'm asking you as a personal favor to me and the industry syndicate. By launching these original podcasts, it's a huge part of of what we're building with the industry syndicate podcast network. And and so we're going to be launching a lot more original shows and we really want this one to be a success. And so far it is, you know, the first four hours of the day, it's been awesome, but please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers you have, if you guys have a podcast, uh, the more subscribers you have in a rolling 48-hour window, the more likely your show is to rocket up to the top of the charts. And if it goes to the charts, uh, to, you know, to the top of the charts, especially during a launch, so anyone who's about to do a show or will in the future, getting the launch right is key. If you get a bunch of people to subscribe in the first two days, you have a chance to actually have your podcast show up on the new and noteworthy section of Apple Podcast, which is like, it's basically the podcast version of being on Oprah's book club. Like millions of people see those shows that are recommended by Apple and, you know, it changes everything. So as a personal favor to me, if you have been a fan of this show, if you've gotten any value from the show, please subscribe to Behind the Breakthrough and this show as well if you haven't yet. Speaking of subscribers, speaking of reviews, I want to give a quick shout out to the review of the week. You guys have gone out of your way to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is so helpful for the reasons that I just described. And I like your feedback. I like to know what you like most about each show, about each episode. And so reviews are a great way to do that. If you've already left a rating in the past, which is where you you do the number of stars, and hopefully you did a five star, I 
I think we've earned it and hopefully uh, you feel the same. If you've only left a rating but not a review, you can actually go in and leave a review and that would help us out tremendously. And I like to give a shout out to the review of the week. Any, anyone who's doing reviews, I will read the most recent one here on the podcast and give you a shout out. So Rody or Hody 5 says, another great episode on Massive Agent. I listened to another informative and enlightening podcast today called How Serving Veterans Leads to Selling More Homes. Oh, the Chris Griffith episode, uh, which was awesome. Loved hearing Chris speak. He's a wealth of info, and he and Dustin drilled down on several VA loan myths and presented insightful elements of VA loans that I found so worthwhile. Thank you. I am a, I am for sure a new fan of this podcast. Well, thank you, Rody or R. Hody. <laughs> whatever those use. Why don't they just show the name? Whatever. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I agree. I learned a lot and had a lot of fun on that Chris Griffith episode. Uh, What was that episode? Uh, You guys can look it up. Okay. I looked it up. Episode 98 is the Chris Griffith one about how serving veterans leads to selling more homes. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, We we could not do this show without you. It costs a lot of money actually to do this show. Um, just, there's just a lot of stuff that I put into promoting the show and doing graphics and 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 doing different things. Be, doing a podcast doesn't have to be expensive, but we've chosen to do some things to grow the audience and to make it better for you guys. So if you listen and reciprocate with a, a rating, a review, and subscribing, it means the world and it doesn't cost you a dime, just a minute of your time or less. So thank you for that. All right, I want to find out how the hell you sell almost $3 billion in homes uh, when you're brand new to the industry. You're just like, oh, let's just be an agent now. And I'm going to sell $22 million my first year and then $3 billion over the first decade. <laughs> Dan Lesniak has absolutely crushed it. Host of the Hyperfast Agent, best-selling author um, and, and coach, real estate developer, He's going to talk about how he's now a real estate developer in the Washington, D.C. area, how we got into it and why I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? I'm sitting here with Dan Lesniak from Hyperfast Agent, a billion-dollar real estate producer, and uh, I'm super excited to talk to Dan today and hear his story because he's built a massive real estate business, a massive coaching business or I don't even know if you'd call it a coaching business, but you, you do events, you do all sorts of stuff to help agents and I see you everywhere. So Dan Lesniak, welcome to the Massive Agent Podcast. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it's going great. I'm excited to be on the show and, and excited to help your listeners and, and, and hopefully put out you know some, some great tips that they can learn from and implement right, right I, now, you know, today. I, I think that's guaranteed. That, that's guaranteed. Um, for anyone who doesn't know you or they, they haven't seen Hyperfast Agent, your, your podcast or, or any of the content you put online, who are you? Uh, who are you in the industry? You know, give us your, your 60 second bio and then we'll jump into some, I want to hear your story. I want to hear how you started to becoming a billion dollar producer. That, just that story is gold. So I want to get there, but let's first find out who you are. Sure. So I, I got in the industry in 2011 after... Mm failing to get my dream job coming out of business school turned it out to be a a very good blessing in disguise and i had a really really super fast start sold over 22 million in my first year about a year after that start after my first year i met my my wife now carrie shoal who was also in the business and 
I was starting to build a team. She had a team that was about a year or so old, and we decided to, uh, at, at, at some point shortly after meeting, we, we merged our personal lives, you know, got engaged, merged our businesses, and we've grown it to a team that's sold a couple billion now. We sold about 400 million last year in 2019, so about 600 and uh, I think 70 deals or so, 400 million in volume. And a couple of years ago, we decided to really go all in on a social media strategy, digital media strategy. So we did that for our own business. Then we started to do it for our, our coaching and training and education business, which we, you know, you see behind me, Hyperfast Agent. And, you know, that, that became something that, that grew a lot in the last year. We've got uh, hundreds of agents now that, that we help and thousands more that listen to our podcast or watch us on YouTube. And what else we've got going on? We're also pretty big in development right now. So I've got 120 different condo units in the DC market in development right now that uh, you know we're equity partners on and, and uh, that, that we'll, in the next 12 to 18 months we'll be selling. So a lot of stuff going on. Okay, I I want to make sure that I come back to that point there because I'm I'm personally interested why why build versus buy an existing complex. Um, I mean, either way, it's it's genius, and you're doing it at a big scale. You're buying a bunch of doors, um, so I I I want to hear more about that. If no one else does, you're just gonna have to deal with it. It's my <laughs> freaking show, but I'm interested. Uh, so Dan, what did you say you were doing right before you jumped into the real estate business? In 2011. I, I, yeah. So I had a, a government contracting job. I got my MBA at Georgetown and I had a career before that in the Navy. So I thought all of these would make me the perfect candidate, you know, uh, nuclear submarine officer, MBA from Georgetown, all this stuff. Like I'll be a shoe in to go get a big strategy consulting job at McKinsey or BCG or Bain Consulting. And and then that would be really cool because I could uh, work about a hundred hours a week and travel, you know, four out of five days a week and, and make $150,000, $160,000 a year. And that didn't work out. They all turned me down. So I hmm. decided to, uh, you know, I actually asked them like, what would give me a better shot to reapply next year? And they said, go get a experience that's completely different from what you've ever done. And I thought, all right, I'm, I'm buying my uh, second house in the area. I, I've you know been buying homes since I was 23 because I had the access to the VA loans. Like so, I started young, right? And I feel like I know just as much as the real estate agent, the loan officer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my license and I'll I'll sell to a few family and friends, and that's how I'll get my you know different experience for for McKinsey and and BCG and all these guys, and and they'll, they'll I'll reapply and they'll take me next year. Well, I ended up wow. selling just shy of 23 million in my first year. And I, I netted over 350 uh, that year. So, so I never, I never reapply. I just stuck with real estate. Yes. Good call. Good call, Dan. It's, it's so interesting to hear people's story of how they got into the business. I really don't think there's, I don't think there's one single human out there that grew up their whole lives thinking, when I grow up, I'm going to be a realtor. I really don't think that that's a thing. It, they they stumble into it somehow indirectly or whatever. Like uh, like I got my license because I wanted to flip homes and make fifty grand a week, like you saw on TV, right? And and so I was told you should get your license. It'll help you be a better investor. And I stumbled into it. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think like, unless your parents, you know, did it or you had a close family friend. I I don't think anyone's like when they're young is like, like, I'm going to grow up and sell a home. Like I just, I don't think it exists. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's so serendipitous. It's, it's awesome. I mean, you, I'm sure you look back and you're like, thank God I didn't make it into those companies or get an internship. Um, it's just wild. And, and so 22 million in production your first year, I think that qualifies as ridiculous. Um, what were you doing that very first year to be so successful selling homes? Yeah, well, I, I like to think that my strategy was, was born out of, you know, my, being like, like a genius or, or having just this really, really smart plan. But uh, if I were to look back and, and fairly assess it, a lot of it had to do with just out of necessity. So I, I had a job as a defense contractor, which was a, which was an okay job. I mean, I was making mm-hmm. close to six figures or maybe a little over with my bonus, but it wasn't one that I saw a lot of upside where, you know, you're going to go get a 10% raise. Like it just, you know, it's kind of like government work. Like you can count on a 3% raise every year, but you know, not much more. So, um, right. So since I had that job though, I couldn't, I couldn't go out and do the strategy that most realtors do, which is hit up their database, you know, friends and family, uh, sphere of influence, all of that kind of stuff. Because like, I didn't want to just broadcast to, to like everybody that, that this is what I was doing. And, you know, a, cause I had a job and B like, I didn't think it would work because they didn't know me as Dan, the real estate agent. They knew me as, you know, Dan, the, you know, classmate or Dan, the contractor. Right. So I didn't, I didn't think that strategy would work anyway. And I I needed to do one that would be very efficient with my time. So I decided to just focus on my condo building. And, you know, later on, I kind of realized the framework I used was, was a, something we actually learned in business school called segmentation, targeting, and positioning, which is just a real simple step that we use now if we're going to expand into a new market or area. And I think all agents should, should look at it, this process, this framework. And it's basically come up with market segments, like segment your market. And, and there's like hundreds of different ways you can do it. It can be by geography. It can be by like lifestyle or interest. There's tons of different ways to do it, but then, uh, pick a target segment, right? So pick a segment that is big enough for for you to have enough business, but small enough that you can make an impact. Because you don't want to go out and, you're, especially if you're starting out or new, like you don't want to go out and market to thousands of people. Like you just don't have the resources, the time, the energy. Like you got to get that that area smaller, right? And 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 the, the smaller it can be, the more unified it can be, the better that you can position yourself to them. Which is the last part of the STP framework: positioning right? How do you come up with a unique value proposition to that group? And it's, it's very hard to do that when it's thousands and thousands of people. But if it's a couple hundred people, it's, it's a little bit easier to find something that they all have in common that, that would all, that would resonate with all of them. And so me starting out with my condo building, it was, it was 189 homes. And I was just determined to capture as much market share as I could. And I attacked that market segment through multiple ways. Like I used Facebook before people were using Facebook. I used email newsletters. I used direct mail. I did events at the condo. You know, I would, I would work 
the relationships with the manager and front desk people so that I would kind of get the inside scoop on who was considering moving before that, you know, before people knew about it. Mm -hmm. And, and that really worked well. I got half of the sales in that building in year one. So it, it, Holy it turned, shit. yeah. So it, I think it was like 12 million, 11 million, just from, just, just from addresses in that, in that building. Right. And then, then wow. you got to factor a lot of my clients in there that were selling were moving nearby to like townhouses or single family homes, you know, as they, as they moved on in life or bigger condos. And I probably got like, when you factor that in or people I met at open houses, I probably got like 20, 21 million of it, you know, just from that building or related to that building, like, you know, second order. And then, then I got another million or so from, uh, just, you know, kind of random, like my name was getting out there. I think I had like one SOI deal for like 300,000 my first year. So it really just stemmed from having a very, very narrow focus. And, and this is something like anybody can do, as I know you probably have a lot of listeners that are starting out and, you know, maybe don't have a big book of business yet or a big database they can hit up. Well, anybody can pick a certain segment of the market and dominate it. And it, it doesn't have to be like geography, like it was kind of in my case, because I get a lot of people sometimes that say like, well, I'm in the suburbs or I'm in a, a rural area. And like, you know, your condo strategy wouldn't work, but it, it's really not a condo strategy so much as it is a just being focused on your segment. Like you could do mm -hmm. this with expireds and withdrawns. Like if you just wanted to focus on expireds and withdrawns, this would work. Like if you wanted to, you know, if you, if you came from a accounting profession or attorney or profession or whatever profession you're doing before, like you could focus on those people, right? You could do it by, by lifestyle or interest, or there's just so many different ways to segment the market. You just have to pick one and, and stick with it long enough to get through the first couple months. Cause it's not going to work like, like right away. It's going to take a few months to, to get rolling, but most people don't have the, the discipline to kind of stay focused on, on the one thing that they need to long enough to, you know, get to the, the, the point where they start to see returns. And it, it's yeah. the same, it's the same, like in anything, right. With fitness, working out relationships, like any new skill you're trying to acquire, like you have to stay focused on it long enough to get to the point where you start to see visible results. And most people I, give up too soon. I could not agree with that more. That's, that's absolutely right. And everything that I've had success in, it's been because I just kept doing it consistently and improving every time I did it. And the stuff that I didn't have success in, it's because I, I didn't see it through. You know, it's, it really is like this magical component that, that the super successful have. It's, they just ate shit for long enough um, or, or not even that. They, like they just did it long enough because that's the required uh, length of time. Like it's, you have to do it long enough to win. And, and that's different for everybody. Uh, there's many variables there. Um, so Dan, what really sticks out to me about that is right off the bat, okay, you're a brand new real estate agent. And when I was a new agent, I didn't know any better. Well, even though my mentor was telling me what you told me, I'm thinking, well, why would I focus on one neighborhood when I could focus on the whole East side or the whole damn city? Because more city or bigger area means more people, means more homes, means more sales, right? And I now know that's completely opposite of reality, but you were able to 
not think that way, which is incredible. Um, that takes that takes uh, some business sense, like you mentioned, but also like you don't have um, and and speak to this. It, it's more of a an abundance mentality. You knew that there there's plenty of business to go around, even even if you just focus on one little subdivision or one condo complex or whatever. Um, it, it's it's incredible that you were able to do that right from the get. Yeah, again, I think part of it really my circumstances pushed me in that direction. But the analogy I like to use is, you know, if, if, if you've got a huge building, huge glass building, picture that and then picture it next to a house. And it, if you grab a handful of pebbles and, and throw it against the side of this glass building, it's not going to do anything. But if you grab a, a small little rock and throw it through one window pane of the house next to the building, like it's going to crash through it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the, analogy I like to use to help people to get to picture this is focused this, effort. Yeah. And it's, it's, you want to focus as much effort as possible on an area that's small enough to have enough sales to, to be worthwhile. Like you don't want to get a hundred percent market share of, of like two or three sales. Right. So it does have to have a certain amount of size to it. Uh, but that's not what most people struggle with. Most people struggle with trying to not be everything to everybody. Exactly. And that's, that's right where I almost blacked out during that. And I was like, Oh, must do whole city, must do whole city. Uh, more people means more sales. It's, it's just not true. So guys, if you're starting out or if you're struggling, look at, look at your farm area, look at the area that you focus your effort on. And if you're thinking, I don't have one of those, well, that's exactly the problem. Like it, being able to, even if you only have $50 a month, let's say to spend on marketing, that $50 spent on one street that has 60 homes is going to go a lot further than Facebook ads to the whole freaking city. You know, focus your efforts. Um, Dan, when you were in that beginning, you know, you said you started to see some results after three months or so, which I think is even faster than most people should expect. What were some of the biggest headwinds or roadblocks that you came across that you weren't expecting, um, you know, within those first few months? Yeah, I, th I think it was uh, just just getting enough reps. So the mm. the first couple of listing appointments I went on, like, you know, I I didn't I didn't do a good job of I didn't win out. So, but if if I quit, you know, it kind of would have ended there. But I kept kept trying to generate more leads, kept getting more at bats kept kept getting uh in front of more people and you know eventually i figured it out so i think you know just just being okay with rejection i think and, and getting over that getting over your fear of failure because like you're gonna you're gonna screw it up potentially the first you know couple times and and you just have to push push through that so for for me it was just you know getting through those initial uh listing appointments and, and, you know, getting, getting to the point where I could get the listing. And it, it took, it took about three or four times before I started to, you know, really start converting at a high percentage. Did you have a coach or a mentor back then? I didn't. I mean, I read a few uh, real estate books and, um, I went after I, it. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't really have a, a coach or a mentor at the time. I, I wish I did. I think I, I could have even had more success, but 
Yeah. You know, I, I, I was a, a self-starter. Yeah, I, I'd say. Uh, and that's about the time when I got my license. January 2011 is when I got my, my license as well. And it was a such a different world. Like all the tools that we have available today are unbelievable. And I mean, back then, I remember my mentor showing me how to um, how to post ads on Craigslist and how to do it like every three hours. So it, it kept being bumped up to the top. And yeah, I remember doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and so many little tools where you could make your Craigslist ad have HTML and look better. Like that was the game. And now we have live streaming. We have like targeted Facebook ads. It's and podcasting, everything. It's just nuts. And and to see so many agents not taking advantage of the tools that they have is crazy to me. It's crazy. Um, I want to get back to your story here in a second because you've had a, a very successful career over the last nine years. Um, but what what do you see now, now that you know where you started, you know where you're at now, and, and you've, you know what works? What do you see as the biggest mistake that agents are making, whether they're new or they've been in the business 30 years? Why are they not using the tools available effectively or at all? And, and what mistakes are they making? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake agents are making are not, not using digital and social media to the, to the fullest extent. So like one of the most amazing tools we have is, is this, you know, our, our, uh, our cell phones. Yeah, our smartphones. Like Let the record do. show that Dan held up an iPhone, not an Android phone. Okay, there we go. Move on. Yeah. So, but it's just, they're all the same, right? Android, they really are. IPhone, they really are. Um, I'm just a snob. I'm an Apple snob. You know, yeah. You can, no matter what, for like a few hundred dollars, your cell phone uh, can do so much, especially with video. Like everybody, do everything is walking around with a 4K video you know, device in their hands. And I just, I don't see enough agents making videos, using videos to talk to new clients, existing clients and, and being producers on social media. Like I think there's a lot of agents that are consumers more on social media, which is good to an extent, but you know, at some point you got to go out and produce, you got to, you got to, you know, make, make, make videos, mm-hmm. run ads and, and just, just try shit and realize that you might suck at it the first couple of weeks or months or even a oh, year, you, you but will. you certainly yeah. will, I think. And, yeah. and, and the, the cool thing about it is everyone thinks like, Oh, once you put it on social media, it's out there forever. And like, you know, if you, if you post something that's like God awful, like maybe that's, that's true, but um, and I'm and I'm like talking something that would reveal like a severe character issue. But you know, if right. you're just fumbling around making a bad video, like no right. one, no one, no one cares. Like yeah. you know, maybe maybe Joe Schmo will make some s- snarky comment, but a that's good, gets you more engagement, um, and b like the average life on social media posts is uh, there, there's a chart somewhere, but you know, kind of it's different on the platforms. Like I think on the short end, Twitter, like a, a tweet is like a 14 minutes and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are all like 24 hours. YouTube, you know, the only things that really last more than a day, uh, like in terms of like organically staying on people's feeds are like 
podcast, YouTube, and and blogs, like long yeah. form stuff. The short posts are, you know, they're all gone and off of people's feeds like within a day at most. And that that should give you a lot of, you know, courage, I think, to to go and and try and and just be documenting what you're doing for your clients on a daily basis or documenting your efforts to to make it in real estate and you know communicating your value proposition so i think more agents need to to use social media more often and i yes. think there's i think there's bad advice out there like i remember mm-hmm. someone someone telling me or, or different trainers telling telling me like don't overpost don't don't like you know over communicate on it and don't like just have a bunch of stuff in your feed well I've, I've never heard Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, like anyone who has a big following on social media, I've never heard any of them once say don't overpost. I've never, right. I've never heard them say that. Right. Not Gary Vee says exactly the opposite. Uh, now, he, here's the nuance, Dan, that I think is very important. If you can absolutely do too much garbage, you can absolutely do too much boring shit that nobody cares about to where they unfollow you, tune you out. Uh, report you as spam. Um, so, so, like, th- there's the caveat. If it's if you're if you're doing valuable stuff, yeah, you want as much of it as possible everywhere, and you know, don't limit it ever. Uh, but posting your listings, going live when you're in front of your open house, uh, taking your listing flyer and putting it on Instagram for God's sakes, that stuff you can do way too much of. Once is too much, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. If you're doing good stuff, just keep doing it over and over and over. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the, uh, the the posting the open house flyer in the uh, feed. That that one's uh, been done too much. Like like get more creative than than that. Like like highlight yes something more more interesting and and um, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of laziness and. and on one hand, I understand if you're just jumping into the game, which Dan and I just told you you need to do, and you do that stuff because you think that that's what you do, I get it, but you also need to be more conscious and intentional and think about what that consumer actually wants to hear, what they actually care about, what they'll actually tag their friends in or share. Usually, it's not a whole lot of real estate-related stuff. It's usually local content or something that you just happen to be an agent sharing this helpful stuff that appeals to the community. Um, you can absolutely overdo all that stuff, and I think most agents do. I think it's the biggest mistake they make. So, like, don't let this discourage you if you have been doing it. Like, now you're awake. Now you're woke. So, start doing the right shit that people care about. Um, you know, but don't stop. You know, just change the content that you do. Okay? The, the the subject matters a great deal. Yeah, I agree. Like we 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 get our highest engagement typically on either highlighting local businesses with videos. So we we did we did a whole vi- or we do a whole video series on local businesses, restaurants, bars. Parks. You're in DC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, DC and and Arlington, so it's it's okay. it's on both. But and that was a, a strategy we learned from Gary V. We had a we had a meeting with him after one of his conferences in the area and got to meet with him for an hour. 
and he talked about this digital mayor of your town strategy where you're mm-hmm. you're kind of like the go-to person or organization just for like information on what's happening locally right and and people engage with that more than any kind of real estate stuff we put out the the other thing that we get a ton of engagement on especially on instagram is when we when we do memes which is like silly but uh like it works it's it's it completely works and i think people are more they're just more likely to save it and share it than like a picture of a house (laughs) like they just the memes the memes work like people want to be you know on social media i think they want to be educated uh entertained or empowered. So you, you got to figure out a way to do one of those three. Absolutely. Spot on, spot on. Let's jump back to okay, your first year. You've really found a, a groove by focusing on your condo, uh, your condo building, your condo complex. And, and then you found that people are moving up like they're, they're, uh, they're upsizing and now you're helping them with those purchases as well. And your business has exploded in year one. Um, what, like when was it that you realized this is what I'm going to do? Like I'm onto something. I'm obviously good at it. I'm doing the right things. This is it. Was there, was there a moment specifically you remember or you just kind of eased into that? Yeah, no, it was, it was early. It was really, it was really before I started to have all of the closings in the pipeline. Like I knew, I knew it was about to take off. Like, you know, just from having listing appointments, meeting with buyers, I knew that, like in 60 days, this is going to get pretty big. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this was like the end of 2011. And then all of a sudden, it, like between Thanksgiving and New Year's, like I put like, oh, I think it was like 11. Yeah, I think it was like 11 transaction sides. I, I kind of put in the pipeline ratified between like Jan 1 and sometime in March. So I had, I had like seven or 8 million, I think in Q1, like under contract going into that year. And I, I I still had my, my full-time job by the way. So I kind of started running it, run, started running the numbers and I was like, dang, I'm going to make more in Q1 than I would the entire year at my job in a fraction of the time. Yeah. So that, that when I realized that I kind of realized like, okay, I, um, I should, I should probably quit my job because if, if any one of these deals falls out or, or I miss out on another deal because I'm doing something with my work, you know, that that's going to cost me more money than like being there for two two months or three months. So, right. Um, so not, yeah, it wasn't too long after that. I, I met with my boss and it, you know, it was one of the most liberating days of my life when I said I quit, like not, not because it was a terrible organization or anything like that, but it was just very, very liberating and freeing to kind of finally have found my, my groove and knew that I was where I was, supposed to have been and you know i still remember him asking me like it's like okay you're gonna you're gonna quit and go into real estate like do you know like which company you're gonna go to or you know they had no idea i was that was an agent he's like like how's that gonna work like um 
you know, and I was like, I, I think I'll be okay. You know, don't worry about it. And he's like, well, if there's anything we can do to, to like keep you, let me know. And, and, you know, he was like senior vice president, like second highest at the company, I think. And like, I was, I, I knew at that moment, like I was going to make more than him, <laughs> like right. in real estate that, that year. Most liberating environments. Like, that feeling had anything to do with your, now your shoulders, you have control? Uh, or was it at the time or was it just no, financial? I, I, think it's, I think it's both. Like, like, mm-hmm. like yeah, it was going to be a, a great financial opportunity, but it, it really is, you know, put you being in charge of, of your destiny. Like when you're, you know, there's a lot of jobs you can, you can be at especially if they're government related and, and, and I love the government industries, it helps our real estate values here, but um, there's, there's a lot of jobs in that industry where you can bust your butt and get a 3% raise, or you can mail it in and get a 3% raise. And to, to me, that's just, yeah, there's a lot of security there, but it, it, it's just not as fun as being in complete, you know, completely in control in the driver's seat of your, of your destiny. And, and there's really no limit to what you can do in the real estate industry. Like, like you don't, right. You don't have to have a fancy degree or certain number of years of experience or you just, none of that matters. It's, it's, you know, can you go out and, and, and add more value to more people and, and can you scale it and, and what other areas can you grow it in? Like there, there's really no limit to it. I think it's one of the most powerful industries anyone could get involved in because of all the different directions they can go, all the potential revenue streams outside of just commission from closings, you know, uh, and I, I, I made a note because I want to make sure we get back to you why you're developing uh, and building condos in the DC area. I mean, that's one of the things like you now have this experience and, and you're out there seeing properties every day and you're talking with buyers and sellers every day. And so you're naturally like the best real estate investor, the best developer. Um, how many people actually take advantage of that? Very few, it seems like, but uh, you've got to start. Anyone who's listened to this show more than for more than a month or so has heard me talk about multiple streams of income in real estate. There's so many different ways to do it from the, the brokerage you choose to whether or not you're investing, um, you know, the, there's just so many other things. And so I want to ask you about, okay, after the first phase, you knew you were doing well. Your first year, you, you, you killed it. You know, for, that's a great first year. You knew that what you were doing was working. When, when did you flip the switch to scale? When and how did you go from, you know, personally just doing these transactions part-time while working another job, which when I say it that way out loud is, is insane uh, to, to really becoming the multi-billion dollar producer, having a big team. When did that process start and what did that look like? Yeah, I started hiring at the end of my first year. Okay, and pretty quick. I, and I probably should have done it sooner, but uh, yeah, I started yeah right at the 12 month mark. I made my first hire. Uh, first one didn't work out, which is normal. You know, I didn't have, I had a, I had a good person, but not the right person for what I needed. And, mm-hmm. and what I found is, you know, you see these numbers in real estate, like 
87% of people don't make it past five years and like, you know, all sorts of kind of failure rates and stuff. Um, one thing I've noticed is, you know, if 10 or 15% make it, get to a six figure level, almost all of those people stay there. Like, and I, and I, again, I don't have numbers on this, but I'd say probably of that 10 to 15%, only like 10%, so like 1%, 1.5% total, kind of will push up and get past 250, 300 and, and, and start building teams. And I think it, it goes back to that, you know, trying something enough times before it works. Like people will go out and make a hire. It won't work out. So they don't, they don't try again. Like they say, yeah, it didn't work. Um, or they, or they hire the wrong type. Like they go out and get a buyer's agent instead of an admin or an inside sales agent. And I think your first hire should be an admin or an inside sales agent. Uh, because that, that's the type of person that can help you grow and scale. Like they're going to take your, your lower cost per hour activities away from you so that you can focus on the higher uh, cost per hour stuff. And too many people are afraid, like these agents are making 150, 250, and, and they're afraid to go out and hire an admin for 50K. That, that might, and that 50K admin might take half the hours off their plate, right? And then that frees them up to get more deals and then kind of build out a system that they can then bring on more agents. So, you know, I, I pushed through that phase of, of screwing up the first tire. And uh, I think by the end of three months, I, I had a two admin and three or four agents. And it's interesting, you talk about multiple streams of income. So what really spurred this for me is towards the end of my first year, I started to notice on the, on the HUD, on the settlement statement, how much of the title insurance premium stayed with the broker uh, or the broker's joint venture uh, as opposed to how much, you know, went to the actual underwriter. Yeah. And I, I had a client that year that was a lawyer that hated corporate law, wanted to get out of it. So I, so I went to him, told him about title, blah, blah, blah. I ended up starting a joint venture, uh, you know, with, with this attorney past client, and I started to enroll other agents in my office in this, which my broker did not like. And um, you know, they it's kinda, out of the box. It's outside the yeah. box. Yeah. Well, and it's taking from them, right? Yeah. They, so, so after being like the top salesperson in my office year one, they, they said, well, you've, you've got 72 hours to leave or disband your title company. And I said, okay, um, I'll, you know, thanks. <laughs> it was nice, nice knowing you. You know, I, I left. I went to uh, another brokerage that was fine to to take my my business and and let me have my my title joint venture. And I uh, brought three agents with me as well and realized, okay, I better I better bring some ad, you know get some admin support to support this. So I hired someone to help with marketing. Hired someone as general admin, and you know I, I started to build a team from there. So that, that's kind of how the team started for, for me. I love it. So out of, out of necessity, just because you were doing deals and you wanted to do more and, and you know, focus more on the income producing activities. Um, when you first started hiring, I, I know you said the first one didn't work out and you know, it's a process you've got to just keep doing. What lessons or takeaways or, or just tips do you have for anyone who's right there? They're like, 
I need to do that. I need an admin. I need an ISA. I need to leverage my time by getting the, uh, you know, the, the low or, or just the, the mechanical stuff off my plate so I can do more. What should they focus on? What tips do you have now that you've gone through the process multiple times so they can be more effective making their first hires? Yeah, I think you need to sit down and really map out all of the activities that you do and then like go through and highlight the ones that like anyone could do basically like like that an admin level could do. So like, you know, you don't need to print, you don't need to send out contracts, you don't need to enter things into the MLS. So like like go through and map all of that stuff out. Um like everything that you do, map it out and then segment the stuff that you, you know, that anyone could do or the stuff you don't like to do and, you know, really focus on the stuff that you like and the stuff that is, you know, really high income producing activities and the rest of the stuff your first admin does. And then as, as you grow, you know, you can also add an inside sales agent to, to help with the lead gen and, and taking a, calls when you're not there and, and and then I think it's really at that point is you know you can go out and, and get the buyer's agent but the, the first two people really need to take activities off your plate that uh, take a lot of your time and but don't produce a lot of the results or that you don't like doing yeah some of the mistakes I've made just hiring some assistance virtual or otherwise is I didn't do a good enough job doing what you said I I just, I'm like, I just want you to, you know, do this, but unless you de define clearly what this is, how the hell are they supposed to know? They're not mind readers. If you want them to take certain tasks or concepts of tasks off your plate, you need to clearly define those. I, you know, I screwed something up because I didn't do that. And naturally like they, they're not going to do what you want them to do because you didn't tell them what you want done. Um, I see a lot of people doing that though, Dan. They, I, I don't know if they just don't understand the importance of really defining the duties that you want done or, or they just don't, I don't know, they just don't see a need or, or they just don't want to take the time. I, I don't know, but I think that screws a lot of people up. Yeah, the intentionality and, and the time, like you got to be intentional about it. You got to give it time. Too many people wait too long to hire and then two things usually happen when you do that. First, you lower your standards. So you, you know, you need them now. So you'll take, you'll take someone that maybe you wouldn't mm -hmm. have taken if you had more time. And yeah. then two, you don't train them because you're busy. So you don't train them enough. You don't define the roles. You don't set expectations, all of that. So now you potentially have someone that's less qualified than you really want and under trained. And, and really that, that's on you. It's not on them. Right. Um, it kind of completely switching gears from, from hiring and scaling. I hear this a lot from people that, uh, they, they want to, they want to have the results of a, of a big team, but they're like, well, I can't do that because my clients want to work with me. Uh, or if I'm doing content, they want to work with, they want to work with Dustin. I can't refer them off to a buyer's agent. Like if I do that, they're going to want to work with me. Right. Well, you're obviously not personally working with every single one of your clients for your team, Speak to that, speak to that concern and how you've helped to make that seamless so that it works. Yeah, K Carrie and I have been out of production for a few years now. And um, th there are some people that we may never win. And, and to me, that's okay because 
our, we have so much more leverage that it, it far, you know, may, you know, more than, more than makes up for it. But yeah, you know, I, I think the key is to, is to really highlight the advantages you can offer as a team. So like we've got a diagram for buyers and for sellers of all the different types of activities that go in to, you know, helping them find a home or helping them get their home sold. And for each one of these activities, we tell them who will do it. And we call it, you know, the concept of being a team of specialists. So, you know, if, if buying or selling a home involves six, seven, or eight, you know, different functions, do you want one person that's a, a, a generalist doing it? Or do you want a highly specialized team of experts, right? And, and, and we'll kind of do, so we've got like our diagram of all the specialists, and then we'll have a, a diagram of a solo agent, you know, juggling eight different things. Right. And then it, to me, it's, it's, especially in our market, low inventory, high demand. That's, that's, that's the characteristic of the, of the DC market. Um, you know, if, if a hot new listing comes on the market, do you want to be beholden to one agent being available to, to show you the home? What happens if their kid has a soccer game? What happens if they're sick on vacation with another client? Do you want to miss out on that opportunity, on seeing that home, you know, first thing Friday so that you can get an offer in maybe before the offer deadline or, or get an offer in before other people can, can see it. Right. And, and if, if you work with us as a team, like you're going to have access to more off market homes or more homes that, you know, other people don't know about yet. So that, like, those are kind of some of the things I would highlight on the buyer side and on the listing side, I'd say, look, sign conversions mean a lot, like new leads, converting new leads mean a lot. If I'm with you or I'm with another client and a new lead comes in on your property, how am I going to respond? to that lead and, and I'll like, we'll pull out the MIT as a classic study on this responding to an inquiry for sales or information within five minutes is like a thousand times more effective than one hour. Well, mm -hmm. if you're a solo agent, you, you just can't replicate like, you know, the coverage that we get with having six inside sales agents. So yes. like, you know, I, what, what, I, what I tell them is like, you get a whole team of specialists, which frees me to train them how to best do the job for you and to be involved when necessary at the, at the most important points for you. Yes. And, and that works most of the time. And, and if someone really wants like to be handheld by the, uh, by the lead, by the main person, the, 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 the whole entire time, then, then they're just not a good fit for us. And you have to be okay with that. Yes. I love that. So really, you just do a great job of setting expectations and explaining how it works. It's just like, you know, you go to the the doctor's office. You have your doctor. Let's let's call it, let's call her Sally, and but she's not also checking you in at the front desk. She's not also getting your weight and blood pressure and everything. And you know, she comes in after her team handles that stuff. You just accept that. You know, when we all go to the doctor, the dentist, go meet with an attorney, go to wherever the hell. We just accept that that's the process. So it's no different. You're just, you just have to explain to people what you do and how you do it and why it's good for them. I think, I think that's the point that a lot of us miss, Dan, 
is we maybe explain the process, but we don't explain why it's actually better for the client this way. Yeah, I no, I, I wholeheartedly believe it's better for the client. And I believe totally. if, you're an, if you're an agent and you're using this as an excuse to not grow, then, um, you know, I, I would, I would re-examine that. And if, if you don't want to build a team, that's, that's, that's fine. But, but don't use the, like, this is an excuse not to like, and it's, it's okay not to, but find the real reason yes. like, why you don't want to. And, 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 uh, and just make sure that that's valid and that you're okay with that. And if, if that's, you know, if there's some reason you don't want to do it, like that's okay, but don't use the excuse of like my clients only want to work with me now. Yes. Conversely, because I know there's a lot of solo agents that will be listening to this. You know, I, I just laid out a, the argument I would use in front of a client of how to win the business over a solo agent. If you're a solo agent and you're competing against someone like me, you know, I, I think there's two things you want to highlight. One is, you know, Mr. Seller, Mr. Buyer, you're going to get just me. You're not going to have to worry about dealing with like five or six different people. You're going to get just me the entire transaction. So I, I would definitely go that route. And then this, if, if it's a seller, right, if you're competing against the, the big listing agent that sold a bunch of homes in that neighborhood, I'd say, look, you know, if Dan screws up a listing in this neighborhood, he's going to be okay because he's sold 50, 60, you know, a hundred more homes like in this neighborhood. He's got a record he can point to. I've only, you're right. I've only sold a couple or I haven't sold any. So I've got even more pressure and more reason to succeed. Cause if I screw up like one of one or one of two homes I've ever sold in here, like I may never get business in this neighborhood again. So I will be all in for making sure you get the best result. I love it. Great, great, great advice for, for the solo agents. Um, Dan, real quick, because uh, I, I, don't, I mean, this could easily go three hours and I'm not Joe Rogan and you're not <laughs> Elon Musk. You are in real estate, but not, you know, you're not going to smoke weed here on the show like Elon did on Joe's. Uh, I want to keep this as close to an hour as possible. Um, let's talk about how you, you've now started to build a business. Okay. Now, that's what we've been talking about is building your real estate team, but now you're stepping out into other streams of income that aren't reliant on uh, the closing of a transaction, real estate investment. You mentioned developing condos in DC. Tell us about that. How long have you been an active real estate investor? And then speak specifically to why, why you're developing condos as opposed to just buying an existing one. Yeah, I started, I started as a real estate investor before I was a, an agent. So yes, you know, I bought my first home at age 23 using the VA loan. Uh, that was $180,000. So I got in with zero down, which was cool. Sold it two years later for 240. So that, that was a pretty Super good cool. ROI. Yeah. But in between there, I bought a second home and I, you know, I started renting that out. I, I then bought a third home, which that one I lost money on. Um, because it was in the middle of 2007, eight, mm. you know, in, in Florida where I was stationed, which was not a good time to, to have been in the market. So I, I came out of that experience uh, up a little, but, but, uh, you know, lost on one of them, but uh, up overall. So that was, that was okay. And, you know, learned, learned lessons there. And then I got into uh, the DC market, bought a couple condos up here before I started doing it as a professional 
And then I, I started picking up deals as a real estate agent. So my, my first year, one of the deals I picked up was a seller financed hundred percent deal that I found, you know, just, just through sign calls basically. And that, that condo I ended up flipping. Yeah, I rented it for a year, then sold it. Uh, I picked up my first major deal development deal, which was kind of similar to what I'm doing now, but a little different in 2013. So I had a sign call from this person that wanted to buy one of my listings, but they had to move fast and, um, you know, cause there was competition on it. So I made them an offer. I bought their, I bought their, their, their home and their home was an older home, but it happened to sit on an acre of land, which is very, very rare in Arlington. So this is only mm. like two or three miles outside of DC. Most acre sized places you can put like five or six homes on. Right. So, so that's just how big the lots are. And to get an acre was rare. I bought it for 2 million. I didn't know what, how I would close on it. I didn't know like how I would subdivide it, any of that. I just knew that it, you know, being in at uh, 500 K per lot was a good deal. Yeah. I knew, I knew I could get four lots out of it, maybe five. And I Carrie and I got it under contract and then went out, found a builder to partner with and, we ended up subdividing it, put four homes on there that each sold for like 1.7 to 1.8. And wow. yeah, we, we made, um, I think we made a little over 400 on that deal. Our, 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 our share, we split it with the builder. Sure. And um, so that it started to evolve and I started to find more of these opportunities. First was single family homes in Northern Virginia. And eventually we, we realized, okay, we, we can do more if we raise money from investors. So we started raising money from investors. And, and again, we only were doing a couple of deals. And then in the last really 18 months, we started to focus on doing condos in DC. So we would buy uh, row homes or small apartment buildings. And, and we'd end up with like four or five or, or now some of them are 10 and 15 uh, condo units that we could, you know, chop these up into. And what we found was, you know, the margins, margins were a lot better than the single family homes because we were getting density and, and having the, the density really increased our margins. And it was really a, a great size to be at because, uh, you know, our typical deal now, uh, you know, five to 15 units that it's, it's too big for the small guy, the starter to, to, to do because it usually requires about a million of equity and, you know, maybe three or 4 million in loans. And, and that's just too much for the, the small guy to, to come up with equity or to, to guarantee on the loan. Right. So those guys aren't getting access to these deals, but 15 units is, it's way too small for the big guys. So I'm not competing with, you know, JBG or CBRE or just any of these big commercial companies they're not my competition either. So it's, it's a really, really cool uh, sweet spot that we're in. And uh, most of our deals were, were, were flipping. So we're going to build them. It's going to take 12 to 18 months for the, you know, permitting, planning and, and building and, and, and selling. And, and in 18 months, and most of them were out, you know, our investors get their 15% preferred return. Uh, the developer and I split the, the profit that's left over at the end. And our margins on these are great. We're usually at 25 to 30% above cost. So that gives me the ability to, to confidently tell our investors, like, we're going to deliver your preferred return. 
like unless the market is down like you know over 20 percent which didn't happen in 08 09 in dc it was only down 10 percent then yeah. and some of these will end up holding as well at the end we'll probably decide to to keep his rentals because you know long term like I, I like what we're doing with these these condo projects they're very profitable uh it plugs in nicely to our real estate team gives them more business mm-hmm. but but it is uh, a little bit of a, a grind. Like I got to go out, vet the deal, get it under contract, raise the money for it. So eventually we want to go up a, go up a little bit in unit size and, and go into somewhere we structure the, the, the debt and the equity more for a long-term hold and, and start getting more just recurring revenue from, from that. So that is something we'll, we'll venture off into long-term because you know, I want as much passive income as I can get. And while the development income is requires a lot less of my time than like selling the equal amount of homes to make that kind of money, like it's still not what I would consider passive. Sure. And so you eased into it. You started by buying a home for yourself, buying a second one. And, you know, gradually as you learned and your, your resources increased, uh, your access to access to capital, the people you know, and it, you just gradually got to the point you're at. Um, I think, I mean, some of my coaching clients, I know they look at somebody who's doing big things and they're like, how can I just do that? And I think that's the wrong question. I think the better question is how can I work towards that? doesn't mean you can't do it relatively fast, you know, like sometimes slow, sometimes fast, but you've got to, you got to work towards it. Um, yeah, I mean, we we started really the condo part. Like we we've been doing single family homes in Northern Virginia for a while, but we started the mm-hmm. condo part really a year ago, and and we put a two unit project under contract, which is going to deliver in a week or so. It's almost done, but then we we went from like two units to 120 units in 12 months in our pipeline. Right. You built a solid foundation of expertise to then be able to do that. Um, I love it. I love it. That's cool. Um, Dan, any last words of advice for anyone who, anyone who's struggling right now in their business or they're brand new and they're like, Dan, you've laid it out perfectly. I want to follow in your footsteps and build, build a big team. And then I want to branch out and have other related income streams going on is there anything we didn't cover that you think should be or, or where, where can people go to find out more about, about how to do all this? Cause I mean, we're, we're going over these, what took you years to learn, you know, in, in a one hour podcast. Um, you, you guys did an event recently, right? Like Hyperfast summit or something. Did you guys do more events? Um, do you have, you have a podcast too? Look, I'm asking you this first. Normally we do our rapid fire questions. I'll get to those in a second, but how can people find out more about you and learn more specifics from you on how you built this? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I, I wrote a book. You see it behind me, the hyper local, hyper fast real estate agent. It, it, it really lays out everything I did in year one to sell over 22 million. And um, we decided because of the success of that book, like it sold thousands and which was something I didn't expect. I just thought I had a cool story and wanted to tell it and hopefully, you know, help someone and and it helped a lot more people than I thought. So Carrie and I decided to build out a uh, 
disappeared on me. Carrie and I decided to build out a coaching company around it. So we, we started to create courses on what we did and we decided to, uh, we did an event two years ago and we knew nothing about doing training events and any of that, but we just decided to jump in and go big. We hired Grant Cardone and uh, through this event two years ago, he, he came out, we, we had Billy Jean come out and it was, it was pretty cool. And so we did that two years ago. Last year we did it again. We, we had Ryan Serhant come and, and it was awesome. We had almost 400 people. Nice. So, you know, we're still planning on doing that, that sales summit at the end of this year, but in the interim, we decided, okay, let's, let's do a smaller event. Let's make it more just about what we're doing. Right. So let's, let's teach people about how to generate leads, whether they're a team leader or a solo agent, right. How to generate leads, like all the different ways we do it. Let's, let's get them in front of our inside sales agents and teach them how to convert on the phone and have our top listing agents, top buyers agents, teach them how we work with buyers and sellers. And, and so we're going to do this two day event in our office, March 4th and 5th. It's a boot camp. We're this year, have, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's coming up in less than 30 days now. Nice. And it's going to be, you know, limited because it's in our office. Our office is big, but it doesn't hold hundreds of people. So this is going right. to be like under a hundred people, very hands-on, a mix of general sessions. It's going to be, uh, you know, we'll have breakouts as well. So like solo agents, team leaders, all of that, like, you know, so anyone can come and, and get specific advice for where they are in their business now from us, from our team. And it's going to be March 4th and 5th. And yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome. You know, there's, there's not a ton of spots left cause it's, it's not a big event. Love it. So what I'm going to do, um, we have a couple days before this goes live. So guys, if you want a link to this, go to massiveagentpodcast.com slash hyperfast. Massiveagentpodcast.com slash hyperfast. Dan, I'll get a link from you after we wrap here and make sure that that link's active by the time anyone hears this. Um, but uh, I, I love that. And I'll throw that in the show notes as well when this goes live on Thursday. Um, and then, uh, what, yeah, one other thing on that, like, and I, I didn't check with Carrie, so hopefully she's okay with this, but oh boy. We'll, do, we'll do a $500 discount for your listeners. They can just use the, the code. We'll make the code Massive Agent. Just nice. That should be easy. Remember, Massive Agent, you get 500 like bucks off. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. That's fantastic. Cool. So massiveagentpodcast.com slash hyperfast. Use discount code Massive Agent, and hopefully there's some spots available. Um, that's awesome. No, that, I think that's cool because you've obviously been very successful in just nine years. You've built a massive, massive company and um, I love it. So very cool. Very cool. Guys, go get registered for that. Um, cool. I'm glad we talked about that first. Next, I want to do the rapid fire questions to tie this whole thing up. Um, they're either or questions let people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so pick either or one or the other. You don't really need to elaborate unless you, unless you want to. And then um, we'll wrap it up with a couple questions. So Facebook or Instagram? Mm. Well, Instagram, I, I wish I could. I mean, in, Instagram for buyers, Facebook for sellers. Uh, that's, that's, okay. that's my that's thoughts fair. on that. Yeah, that's fair. Instagram or LinkedIn? Instagram. Books or podcasts? Books. Podcasts or, or let me ask this, book or audiobook? Book. 
Okay. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Good call. Alexa or Google Home? Alexa. Burgers or pizza? Burgers. New York or LA? New York. NFL or NBA? NBA. Are you much of a sports fan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, baseball or basketball? Baseball. Oh, so you're in DC. Are you? I imagine you're a, a Nationals yeah, Nats, fan. Yeah, Nats, Nats and Caps. Like I don't, I pretty much don't do anything else. So. That's awesome. Mountains or beach? Uh, I love them both, but if I had to pick, I'd go beach. Are we in a national real estate bubble, or is this not a bubble? For for me, it's not a bubble because I'm in DC. Yeah, yeah. You you, <laughs> you guys are gonna be fine for a while, for sure. Podcast or vlog? Vlog. YouTube or Facebook Live? YouTube. Uber or Lyft? Uber. And then Gary V or Grant Cardone? Grant Cardone. What's the most impactful book you've ever read or listened to? <laughs> you know what? I've, I've been reading uh, maybe too early to to say, but I'm only about two thirds of the way through, but Keith Cunningham's, uh, I don't know if it's a new mm. book, but uh, it showed up at my house because my wife ordered it, but I, I got it first. It's called The Road Less Stupid. And you know he's been through a lot, uh, several decades. He, he's taught at Tony Robbins Business Mastery and he, he just like goes through and is, is trying to teach business owners how to actually spend time thinking about their business, which I think a lot of people don't do. And, and it's, it's been just eye opening for me to, to read and, and I'm excited to implement a lot of what I've learned in that book. The road less stupid by Keith Cunningham. Yep. Awesome. I, I know of Keith. I think I learned about him through rich dad somehow. So somewhere in the rich dad. Yeah. Stuff he, he, um, he, he taught Robert Kiyosaki. So, oh, wasn't he? He supposedly rich dad, or or parts of the he, rich dad character are him. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think rich dad's like a, a compilation of a few yeah. people, probably. But but he yeah. definitely is is one of them. Wow, cool. Um, any app recommendations? What? Give us one app recommendation. Some app that you're that's maybe new to you, or that you just can't live without. I use InShot a lot. I don't know if you've for video. ever used that one. Yeah, but it, for video and for memes and, and photos, so it's, it's, it's pretty helpful for me. Nice. And then give us one piece of advice, the best piece of advice for a real estate agent listening to this. It doesn't even have to be business advice, but what's the best piece of advice? Yeah, just, just get more at bats. So reduce the time between like idea and execution right? Speed and just get more at bats because the, the more you do, the more feedback you'll get, the bet, the quicker you'll get better. And it, like, no matter what you're doing, like sales, investing, fitness, like anything, just more at bats. It's practice. Yeah. Yep. You got to practice. I love it. Dan, where can they find, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about you? Obviously they, they're already, they're already going to do this massiveagentpodcast.com slash hyperfast, but where can they find you and learn more about you? Yeah, so if you notice behind me, if you go to hyperfasttips.com, you can get 
a hundred. It's a downloadable thing. So you, you go to hyperfasttips.com, you get a hundred tips and strategies from my book for free. Uh, so hyperfasttips.com on social media, my handle for my, all my personal accounts is the Dan Lesniak. So that works on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then you can, you can follow uh, Hyperfast Agent podcast or, or YouTube channel as well. Love it. And guys, we'll have links to all of Dan's stuff, all of his social media over at uh, over in the show notes on MassiveAgentPodcast.com. So go check that out. Dan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I learned a lot. Um, you know, you, you've obviously, you, you're somebody to watch and listen to. You've, you, you're not just someone who talks about uh, you, you've actually done the shit. You've actually done it and, and know what it's like to be an agent, not just uh, talk about what it's like to be one. So um, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and, and for you being on the Massive Agent Podcast today. Thank you. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Absolutely, man. We'll talk to you soon. It's incredible what the power of focus or incredible the power that focus has. Like I said, when I was talking with Dan, one of the bigger mistakes I made in my real estate career was when I started, I didn't, I didn't pick a small enough area. I went big because I thought the more people, the bigger the area, the more potential clients, the more homes I'll sell. It doesn't work that way. If you can focus all of your marketing, all of your attention, everything you post, all your content, every dollar you spend on Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever, your door, your door knocking, your door hangers, your, your flyers you send, if you can focus all of that stuff on one subdivision or one suburb versus the whole city, you're going to have so much more success. Having that, that those marketing dollars and the marketing efforts focused on one small area area is absolutely key. So fight the urge to go big. It doesn't work. I promise you, I've tried doing it. Nail an area, become the expert in, in one subdivision or one neighborhood or one suburb first. And then once you are, once you own that area, then expand to others, not the other way around. So go do, just go do the stuff, go do the things, go do the stuff. And, and by the way, go to massiveagentpodcast.com slash hyperfast. And if you can get to DC to do that in-person training in Dan's office, um, I have a scheduling conflict, damn it, because otherwise I would be there. That sounds incredible. If there's any way in hell you can make it, uh, you, you should. So go do that. And thank you guys for listening to the show. One last time, I ask you, if you have not yet, please go listen to Behind the Breakthrough. Subscribe to it on Apple, specifically Apple and Spotify. Helps us out tremendously. Leave a rating, leave a review if, if you like the show. Check it out on the Industry industry Syndicate app. If you don't have the Industry Syndicate app, go to the App Store or Google Play to get it. And that's all we ask. Just do all those things. It's really not that much. But uh, because this show is free, I don't think it's a big ask to ask for... Uh, you know, you help us out with a couple things from time to time. And I will keep bringing great new episodes every single week for you every Thursday. Thank you guys so much. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, check out our Massive Agent Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Overcast and Pocket Casts and all those players that pull from Apple. It's our daily podcast, daily flash briefing, um, under five minutes. So if you want to, uh, if you're all caught up on episodes, you want to stay in touch and hear more about what's going on, go check out the Massive Agent Minute. And uh, and we'll see you on, uh, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what I was going to say there. 
I think I was gonna say I'll see you on the flip side, but that's just weird. Like what I should, uh, I should probably wrap it up. So I will go sell some homes guys. Have a great weekend. Take care.